Anyways, so you should have your outline in front of you. CPR. Uh, hey, you like you like my subtitle? You guys excited for that subtitle? That's, that's, that's yeah. That's what everyone wants, right? Uh, so here, I'm gonna be super honest. Uh, Christian personal relationships. This course, like, kind of, it's a hard course for me. Okay. Um, why is it a hard course for me? I think. Like, sometimes it kind of feels out of left field. Um, and maybe, like, part of me, like, the fall part of me, I'm from Texas, um, you know, horns down. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, like, Texas, we want to make our own rules, right? Like, I don't need no rules. Yeah, get out of here. And, like, in the, the first talk of it, it's like a prayer talk. I'm always kind of like, man, how many more of these can I hear? And, like, again, like, it's always good. But just, like, the fallen part of me kind of, like, just great to get it somewhat, a little bit. So, um, and you know, the rules thing, I'm like, man, just more rules. And like, I don't know about you guys, but when I have something like presented to me, like some kind of rules, I kind of, it's helpful to have a why. Like, what's, what are we like, what are we going for here? Like, I get why they're necessary and good because, yeah, like, duh. But what are we going for here? Why, why the rules? And we need a context, we need a why. So, what CPR, Christian Personal Relationships, is about is about like actually like conducting relationship with one another, like us in this room, and actually outside, like. What does it look like? And we, we, we know this is important on like a high level because like Acts of the Apostles, right? Like the Holy Spirit fell in the new, the new community. Like what, what did people from the outside say about the community? You guys remember? Drunk. Yeah, they're drunk. Yeah, but then like, you know, like after they're drunk, after the people thought they were drunk, what were they saying? <laughs> what should we do? Okay, that's another one. Gosh, you guys are good. They said, they all said like, see how they love one another. That's what you yeah, remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a little bit big. That was on me, not you guys. Don't, don't carry that burden. That was on me. Um, you didn't fail. I failed. So um, but I see how they love one another. There's something about the Spirit and how it actually like, dwells in the people of God and like, how they love one another that actually is not just building up of the people. But, like, it makes a temple for God to dwell in, in a way, and like, actually be the body of Christ in the world. But people see that, and they're like, that's different. And it's an, actually an evangelical witness. It's like a power. Um, so, all right. So that's, that's where we're going. Um, but I, I think the problem with me and CPR is, like, you know, when you give this talk, you have to, like, dig into why some, you don't like something to, like, actually present it. And I was really convicted that my fundamental orientation in some parts of my heart was off or has been off in the past when I approached CPR. My fundamental orientation in my heart was off. All right, we'll get back to that later. So, recap. What have we been, what have we been doing this, this year? Like, looking back, like, in your mind, thinking back, SMR. What was SMR like? Where were you? Some of you were freshmen, and you started classes yet. Like, where were we in SMR, right? Like, what was, what was God doing? There's excitement, right? We're going on mission together. Remember that cool house we were at with Aaron Kraft hanging out with us? You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Aaron Kraft. Go Bucks. Um, and then, like, we actually went on campus, right? We had crush week. We met a ton of people. Things happening. Then we actually, like, moved into a household, moved into our dorm, started living life with people. It was pretty crazy. Things started. Classes started. Hog roasts. Um, we began formation, right? When was our for- first, first course? Do you guys remember? Who are we? Yeah, what were, the, what, were the, what were some of the things we talked about? Worship. Community. Maturity. And mission. Yeah. So kind of like the core things like who we are as SPL, like this worship. The worship is the first, that's the orientation of our life. That kind of like changes everything, right? Worship first, worship second. Yeah, worship, right? 
and like our offering of our lives to the Lord and how the Lord transforms that. Then we had maturity is like seeing like the long-term gain. But not just the long-term gain, but also the immediate. This like that someday perfection, but also here as we travel with this mindset, right? And then we had, uh, it, next was community, Carrie, Schrader. He's talking about that, right? And then we had uh, how we live life on the front lines, this mission, where we're at. So a lot's happened, right? And if you remember, like, we talked about story. And it's kind of, I guess, in a way, a theme, and maybe just a tool to help us kind of talk about and understand what the Lord's been doing uh, in our lives. So the reality is we're all part of a story, right? We talked about this in the Formation Maturity Talk. Remember that? Remember the courier? How we're not the hero of our stories? Is with me? You nodded? Good. Um, and that actually we're, we, like, we kind of enter in the scene of a story where the cameras have already been rolling. That's kind of expanding on this image. Like, the camera's already going. Like, we don't come in in the beginning. We kind of come in like, you know, 2,000 years plus, you know, however long the world is, uh, into the story. It's already happening, right? And God's already moving. And so things are happening. There's already momentum. And even then, like, the story we come into, the scene we come into, we don't even choose that in a way. Like the homes you were born into, those relationships that formed you, the relationships around you right now, right? Like the people you live with, a lot of you didn't choose the people you live with, right? People we cross paths with every day, we don't really choose those people. The city you were born in, you didn't choose that, right? So all these things in our life kind of happen to us and we're just, there's, there's already a momentum and a trajectory to our life. And so when that happens, we kind of have two choices, right? There's two choices that we can have when we're kind of like plopped into a situation that we didn't really choose our own, okay? First one is we get on board with the story. The problem with that, it can be a kind of constricting thought. Think about it this way, like how many times in your life do you get a situation that comes up in front of you and you're like, I didn't choose this, I'm out. Maybe you don't say that, but you just kind of act, you kind of make a choice internally on that. You just kind of like withdraw and peace out. You guys track what I'm saying? Like this is too much, I'm not gonna deal with this. Or this person's too much, I'm not gonna, I, like they just, I can't, I'm just gonna ignore, ignore them even though I live with them every day. Or this thing is too hard, whatever. I didn't choose this. This is unfair. Like that's kind of like, I don't know if you guys, that's often a place I'm tempted to go to and sometimes do, right? Like questions like, you know, I didn't, what if I didn't choose to engage this particular direction or mission? What if like I, I feel out of place here? Like I don't think this is actually supposed to be my story, yet here I am. What do you do with that? Right? It's, it's a hard thing to actually get on board with the story in front of us. So option number two, actually though, I think there's just two options. You can maybe think of a third and shout it out. But I think there's just two. The third, or the second option, if there isn't a third, is we do our own thing. But this can be equally chaotic. Because this view puts us in a way as like a main character. We start, right, we become the director in a way. We start kind of taking control of the scene and like, making it in the way that we think it has to happen. Okay? So we're unhappy with things are unfolding. We're like, hey, I'm going to make this thing how I think it needs to happen. And people will get out of my way because I know. We change our circumstances. We can grumble. Sometimes we don't do anything about it. Sometimes we just grumble about it, um, like the Israelites, right? Sometimes we question everything that comes our way. Sometimes we roll our eyes, maybe at the more rules that come, because they don't fit what we think needs to happen. So in this paradigm, now how I want to set it up, is this paradigm, if we're the ones kind of taking control of their story, how we see 
reality, how we see our life, is like me first, then God, he's really important, you know, and then others. Because the fundamental way, if we're, if we're acting this way, the way we think about the world, and this is kind of like, this is more meta thoughts, so you kind of have to go, there, go here with me, all right? Like, how do I think about the world? And I can ask you, you're like, who's first in your life? God is. But that's a nice thought. But what does your life look like? If we're the ones who are grumbling, if we're the ones who are trying to, like, take control of situations, if we're the ones who are kind of, like, piecing out of things because it's too much, then we're actually not putting God first because we're trying to be the main person directing the story. Do you guys track with me here? So it's actually our actions that matter. So it's a little bit of, like, humility and openness here. You have to go here with me. Of, like, Lord, like, who's in charge here? And who do I trust to be in charge here? Do I just trust myself to be in charge here? Or do I trust you, that you're actually orchestrating things, that you have, I'm actually part of something that's going somewhere that's good and not off a cliff, right? So if it's me, then God, then others, this doesn't end well because we're at war with how reality is structured, okay? So think of it this way, like, if I'm at war with how reality is, if I think it's 90 degrees outside and I get dressed in the morning, like it's 90 degrees outside and I walk out on a day like today, I'm going to be uncomfortable. There will be suffering in a way, and there'll be suffering that I inflict on myself, right? For, uh, two, like, you know, if I, if I like go home and I like pretend like my kids aren't mine, you know, that's not reality. Like who's going to suffer there? Anna's going to suffer and the kids are going to suffer. So like if I'm not in line with how things actually are, there's like, I bring about chaos in the world, okay? So too in our lives, when we don't have God and trust God the highest thing, then there's chaos in life. So, yeah, um, I think that's it. I've, good. I think we're all there. Are we all there? You guys tracking with that? So what is the proper orientation of reality? You got a nice triangle there. And so why... <laughs> This is, all, this is all CPR prep. I promise it all matters. And I promise it's all going to click. But I think this is kind of what's behind the entire thing of CPR. And it's, I think it's what the Lord is doing and will do tonight and throughout um, into Lent, really. So we see a triangle. And it's a triangle, like, if we sat here and tried to describe, like, how God set up the world, we could be here all night. So we need to like kind of like zoom out, zoom out, okay, and look for patterns, all right? Look for the big, big picture, all right? The big picture is Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, right, there was who? God, right? In the beginning was God, right? God. So God is like, you can draw God at the top of the triangle, like above it. He's not like on the point. He's like above the triangle, okay? And God is like above everything. And God is like, he's like origin. He's the first thing. He's like... He's ideal, he's perfection, he's everything, he's, he's love, he is all that is good, right? And he's above all the little map of reality, which is this triangle, okay? And God, above everything, decides to create out of love, right? And he, who's he, he creates through the logos, through his son, right? And he, the logos speaks um, creation into existence, right? And so we have the world. And above, again, we have these like unseen things. We have this perfection, we have God who we can't see. But then on the bottom, right, we have... Like us, we have soil, we have kind of this like dirt, we have like humanity, okay? So you can try to draw, write that at the bottom, like us, like potential, it's potentiality, it's, poten it's the place where things can happen, all right? It's like, and like you see in Genesis, God creates earth, and now life can begin because earth is here, all right? 
And so think of like how this kind of works on the bottom is like with this, why it's soil and like these are all symbols for the bottom because think of like a seed, okay? A seed is like potential. We plant seed in the dirt, right? It's not that dirt is bad. Dirt is really good because we can plant a seed and then where does the seed go? Up towards God. So too in our lives, we are born, right? We're born here on this earth and our lives are an ascent towards God, right? You guys tracking me here? Like that's, that's how reality is structured. Our lives, like me, born in like here on earth, two feet on the ground, and as I like grow and mature, like my soul, my spirit, my life is directed towards heavenly things. And as I walk that pattern, as I live that life, right, I become more like Christ, right? And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us in that direction. So, so kind of God first, right, and then my life moving up towards him. But somewhere along the line, we kind of like lost our like grip on reality. We grip on the story, okay? So we, we had the idea, the idea that like we're given in the Western world is, is I think therefore I am. Who's heard that before, right? So Descartes is a really good, you know, solid, he's actually a Christian man. He was trying to like get at like what he can know. And when he says, I think, therefore I am, what he's doing is he's trying to find like the fundamental, what's like the one thing that at the end of the day I can know for certain. And he was like, only thing I can know for certain is that I think, therefore I am. Like the source of my consciousness is the fact that I can think. So what that does is that kind of puts like the person, the self, as like the fundamental thing I can know. But the problem is that's actually like 180 degrees flipped on how reality is on our little map, if you will. Think about it, because actually the, the fundamental kernel of truth that we can know through revelation because God has told us is God thinks, therefore I am, right? So we live in this world, and we can see there's, there's effects we're going to talk about of this, but it really is a 180-degree shift. So now our map, we kind of like cross out the whole top half of God stuff. If we're like, I think, therefore I am, then it's just kind of me at the bottom, kind of groping my way through life, trying to find what's good. Maybe I'm going up. I don't really know what's up. I can't see it or know it, so who really cares? And maybe I just go down because that's easier, to, that's easier to see and grasp, right? So we just kind of stay in material things. We stay in money. We stay in pleasure. We stay in the weekend. We stay in fun. And we never actually ascend to the higher principles, to good, to selflessness, to sacrifice, to all these things that we can't see, right, towards God himself. So the reality that God thinks therefore I am is this fundamental truth. In Jeremiah, we read, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Right? So we, our, our origin is that the Father has known us before the time, before the world even began. And we existed in the Father's mind before the world even began. And so it was God who thought first, and then we existed. So, you guys kind of see how that deals with our story. Um, this is a wild idea. I'm asking you to go kind of hard places, so I appreciate you guys engaging this. Um, but this is fundamental. This is like the central to how we're going to approach CPR if we want to actually get it right to understand what the Lord wants to do, what the Christian story is about. So, um, so me, God, others is the fallen way, right? It's the way of, I think, therefore I am. And it's easy. To, you kind of see how we get there. We get there because, like, I, like Descartes, the same way Descartes got there. Like, I, I see my life. Like, I don't know what else to look at. When faith is out of the picture, it's just kind of me figuring out my thing. That we as Christians know there's faith. 
There's higher things. So what I say is, God, you're first. And I put God first, and I act like God is first. And that's in worship. That's in my prayer. That's in, obviously, like, disposition towards, like, sacraments. That's in how I actually live my life, because the Holy Spirit is the one who accomplishes that flip. So if we're talking about God first, this is a weird idea, because, like, we think God first. So bear with me here. We always we talk a lot about like personal relationship with Christ. Right? And that's a really it's a really good thing. Like we do daily personal prayer. We it's like we hold that up. But that's not like the like the first thing. Why did God act? Like yeah, like out of love for you. Like that's like part of it, but actually what scripture talks about repeatedly and even Jesus talks about is actually God acts for his own glory, which is a weird thing for us to grasp. Okay, so is God some power-hungry dude who needs us to fan him? That's not how we know him. What does this mean that God acts for his own glory? Well, let's re- I, read, I have some scripture verses here, and we're just going to dig in a little bit. He says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, right, that we talked about. God thought um, first. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself, according to the kind intention of his will to the praise and glory of his grace so what he does why for the praise and the glory of his grace okay it says isaiah 43 bring my sons from afar my daughters from the end of the earth everyone who is called by my name who i created for my glory okay god's glory again psalm 106 our fathers when they are in egypt did not consider your wondrous works but rebelled by the sea at the red sea you save them for his name's sake that he might make known his mighty power. Ezekiel 20, I acted for, my, for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. The one who, in John, New Testament here, it's not just an Old Testament idea. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. John 5, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? Do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. And John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So this kind of shifts things a little bit, right? Our lives exist for the glory of God. So what are we talking about when we say glory? It's, just, it's the presence, it's the power, it's the like oomph. It's, it's who God is and it's God's greatness it's his love. It's what words don't even describe. It's like when we're in the spirit, we can know. That's really what it comes down to. Like, I can't sit here and convince you of God's glory. It's something that God actually has revealed and wants to reveal more of to you. So that when you know it, when you experience him, you're like, that's it. That's what life is about. To be with the Father. To know that I'm loved. To be filled with the spirit. And to know that, like, whatever it is, God's bigger. That he's got this. That this story that I'm living in right now, like in our, in our truest moments, do we not know this? Do we not experience this? Like when I'm in prayer and I'm with the Lord and it's just a profound sense of peace, like God, you've got this. It's going to be okay. Like Jesus, I trust in you. And it's not like a hopeful plea, but it's this confident knowing. If only that was all the time. Do we have to act in faith? But it's like we, we've had those moments, right, brothers and sisters? We know that. And so our life, so when we talk about this, these verses seem so crude, right, in a certain sense. Like, go read that some random person came and said, like, yeah, it's just like I thought your God was, you know, wants us all to, like, give him for his glory, right? Like, we exist for, 
It's like, we exist for him. It's like, yes, we exist for him. And when we say that, we know what that means. Amen? Because of the Holy Spirit who's been poured into our hearts. Um, so God is at the top. And when we know this, right, this, this shift happens. And the, what Father Cantilene Mesa talks about is this Copernican revolution of our hearts. Okay? CPR means nothing. Actually, I would say, like, SPO, Dormhold, everything means nothing without this Copernican revolution of our hearts. And what that means, what is the Copernican revolution? You guys, you guys know that, right? But what did what, what, what they think, what did Copernicus discover? Other people knew, but what did he say? Yeah. Heliocentric, right? That, that the actually, before, it's debatable, because I think some Greeks knew this, but we lost it. But, like, like everyone thought the, the Earth was at the center, and, like, everything revolved around the, around the Earth, right? Copernicus was like, uh-uh, like, the sun's in the center, and we revolve around the sun. That actually, like, shifts things. It was, to us, it's kind of like, oh, it's just a cool scientific idea. But it actually, like, kind of blew their minds a little bit, because to them, like, the Earth was the center of the universe. It was a place of God's single divided attention. And, like, of course it's the center. Like, that's what revolves around me, like, us, right? But no, like, like the sun at the center. So in our lives, like, yeah, God, like, you, like, serve my purposes and, like, help me do good things and, like, give me a head in life and like, give me good friends and, like, do all these things and, like, living my story really well. And it's like, no, 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 We're in God's story. Like, Lord, it's not my glory. It's your glory. God, it's for you. It's not about me. Like, this was, like, for some reason, this was, like, I, my, my early conversion, that was what the Lord, like, kind of used to, like, kind of continue to, like, beat me over the head with in a very lovingly father way. It was, like, I had on my phone back in the day, you, like, put little, like, phrases on the top of your flip phones. I don't think you guys, anyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, just dated myself. But it said, like, it's not about me. Like, that was what he hit, hit me with. And this was, he was a, trying to accomplish this Copernican revolution. And it didn't even really even make sense. Like, I knew the idea. I knew the concept. I was like, yeah, I think I want that. But it wasn't until I experienced the Father in a powerful moment of his love in my life, um, before him in the chapel, praying with brothers, that this made sense. And it was this realization that, God, you are so much bigger. Like, everything I'm worried about, everything I'm holding on to is nothing compared to you. And I can go all in. I can live your story. I don't need to control it all. I need to figure it all out. I'm just all in for this, right? And that was the shift. That is the shift, brothers and sisters. Give the power back to God. It's no longer me at the center, but God at the center. It's not our clever strategies. It's not our personal striving. It's not all these things that actually bring about the kingdom. It is God's action, and I want to be behind that action in the world. So, brothers and sisters, this is what we experience at Fan of Flame, right? Like this kind of, this Holy Spirit coming into us, and maybe you had this powerful experience. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it was really quiet. Maybe what I'm saying now, you're like kind of yearning for. Maybe you're like nodding your head like, I've been there. I know the Lord is it. For, I want his glory. I'm all about his glory. I've lived that. i put my life out for it. I want more. Maybe some of you are like, maybe I kind of think I do. I think it's kind of, I don't know if I'm ready to like give up some of these plans or some of this control I have of like the director's thing. But whatever it is, the Holy Spirit wants to reorient our hearts. And it's not just a one-time thing, actually. It's a, it's a continual thing right? Like every day in personal prayer, morning prayer, sacraments, right? Like this is what God is accomplishing it. Um, and I think on Fan of Flame, there really was like, there was a foundational work happening. I said, this, I said this two weeks ago, but that was my conviction. There's a foundational work happening. And I think the Lord wants to heal this part of our hearts, like all of us, communally, like wherever you're at, he wants to take it 
up a notch. He wants to actually get rid of things that we're holding on to that actually stop us from putting him first, his story, the things that like give us dead weight in our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit who does this. Um, I kind of had the image like, like it was kind of like as, a, as a community, in some ways, our leg was broken. And like we can't run unless the Lord heals our leg. We cannot run if we're the center, if we're the first, right? If it's still our story we're living, if we haven't surrendered in this way. So God wants this reorientation. And it's the spirit that does it. In Ezekiel 11 says, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Okay? So here's, here's kind of the, the second trap. This is really where CPR comes in. So we have the bad way, which is me, God, and then others, like one, two, and then three, right? First God, or sorry, first me is bad, then God, then others. Now we're like, okay, well, obviously it's God first, and then me, and then others. That's actually not it either. It's actually first God, then others, then me. You guys track with me? What does that mean? What does that shift? What does that do? So we read here in Ezekiel, it says, why, why has God given them a new, new heart? That they shall be my people and I will be their God. God is building a people. That's actually is like fun, that's like the thing he kind of cares about the most. Like after his glory, his work, his salvation is to build a people. So Ephesians 2, it's written there for you. It says, and you he made alive. Okay, look at the communal element of this verse. Right, it starts with us in the dirt, but look where he moves it. Right? Look at the story that he attaches us to. Because he's talking to a, a person, right? But then he attaches it to actually what God is doing. He elevates it. So he says, you, you made alive. When you were dead through your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that so, so at work in the sons of disobedience. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us, us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and made us a sit in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Like, he's, he's recalling, he's like, recall your conversion. Recall when God touched you personally. Like, that reason for that is to plant you as part of a people. Not just so you can, like, go off on your own and do good things, but to actually plant you as part of a people. That's, that's like not an accidental part of God's plan. It's not like a cool SPO idea. This is at the heart of like God, the very heart of the Father, to make a people, a family, right? He calls us for the sake of his people. It says Isaiah 62, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her vindication shines forth and a salvation like a torch, like a, flo- uh, a blazing torch. Right? You guys track with me here? That actually it's, it's this, it's this shift. It's actually God's people that matters more than even me. It's God first, other second, then me. And this is what the Lord's heart is for us. I have First Peter here. Come to him, to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious. And then like living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, right? To be built into a spiritual house. 
right? All, like a house has many parts, like to be built, us to be built. That's God's heart. That's his will for us. So the setting of our story, God, others, me. The pathway to our holiness in this structure runs directly through other people. I'm going to say that again. Our pathway to holiness in this model that Jesus has revealed to us is that my holiness runs directly through other people. That changes things. There's no me, Jesus, and all these annoying people that I need to de- put up with. That's not, that doesn't work. It's not me, Jesus, and like the world over here doing its thing. Like there is no pathway back to God except like he draws to other people. So how it works is because God is first, right? We put our eyes on the Lord, right? And I wish I could draw this. But you put our eyes on the Lord. And like God is first. We worship him and he sends his spirit. Amen? He sends his spirit and his Copernican revolution happens in our hearts. And then we see for the first time that we want to live for his glory. Like, God, you are so much bigger. I'm in for this. Your story, not my story. Let's do this thing. And then he, the spirit propels us to others. It propels us out. And when I say propels us, it doesn't always mean that it's always exciting. It doesn't always mean it's easy. It just means that's where we go next. And that is the work of purification. That is the work that Jesus wants to accomplish in us. So, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Um, Yeah, and this isn't all just high and lofty stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it down. We can, make, we can make it really real. This is incarnated after all, right? So, like, if God, if the Spirit is, like, asking us to live his story, like, how did Jesus live his life, right? Like, Jesus lived for the glory of the Father. He's very clear about that. But he, like, he, how he loved the people around him, how he was open to new encounters, how he, like, was, like, lived his life completely poured out. Greater love is no man than this, a man laid down his life for his friends. That's Jesus, his life totally laid down for others to show us the model, to show us the way of how this whole thing works. So, yeah, I got some good stuff here, but I want to keep going. Um, This isn't like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but this also isn't like rainbows and unicorns at the same time. There's a weird interplay here. And this is the Christian life. Welcome, right? And this is how it kind of works. And it's this idea of, like, Libby had a great word about purification. And purification is actually the pathway the Lord has us on, right? We, you guys, Men's House, you guys still read Sirach too? Yeah. Right? And we, in the beginning of the year, we had those verses about considering all joy when you encounter various trials. Like, that's a stupid thing to say if we didn't understand how God works. If we didn't understand that in us, there's this fallen nature, this fallen side of us that doesn't like CPR, that gets kind of annoyed at people, that kind of wants to like kind of turn in on just me, or in my better, you know, slightly better times, me and God, and other people are just a distraction, and I can't, I don't have time for that. But that's actually not the way. That's not how it works. How it works is the purification is as we lay down our lives for others, as we go out of ourselves, and we see something wrong, we approach that person, we say, hey, what's, hey, how can I help? Like, you look like you're having a tough day. Or that person's really annoying us, and we just take a step towards them instead of fleeing, right? We don't ignore them. Like, all these little things are ways. And then even on mission, right? We actually let our hearts hurt for other people who don't know the Lord. That person in class, we open ourselves to them, right? Say, God, 
Like, give me their heart for this person so that I can love them the way you love them. So this is all how this gets incarnated in our life, and the Holy Spirit is the one who accomplishes this, but oftentimes, you just have to, we have to actually act in faith. Because I don't always feel like, you know, doing bath time for kids. I don't always feel like loving the person in front of me. Like, these things, that you choose them because you know it's good. It's the pathway to holiness, right? You always say, like, you know, like, our sanctity lies in, like, our vocation. But, like, you guys have, you guys, like, aren't exempt from this because you're not married or in a religious order. That's ridiculous. Like, you have people in front of you every day. Your pathway, your vocation right now, my vocation, too, is holiness. We have the same vocation. Now, obviously, like, there's a more proximate idea as well, which is marriage. But ultimately, both of us share the same ultimate vocation on this earth, which is holiness. Every single person. You guys tracking me here? Okay, that's how it works. And you have an opportunity every single day to look at the person in front of you and be like, I'm going to lay down my life for this person. Because this is the, the spirit at work in me is accomplishing this. And I don't feel it, but his power is there. So oftentimes when we take the step, that's when God can show up, right? When we plow our fields and sow the seeds, that's when the rain can come and make it fruitful. Amen? You guys tracking? So, so what do we do? Um, what are we to do? Um, well, we do the first thing, which is putting God first, and we pray. We pray. We enter into this communion with the Father who loves us. We put our eyes on him and take our eyes off ourselves. We realize <laughs> it doesn't matter how I feel today, God. You are worthy to be praised. You are a God who has saved me. You are a God who is gracious, who is faithful, who is always true. And I can, I can praise you, actually, receive your Holy Spirit and never run out of ways to praise you because that's how great you are, Lord. And then we see love itself. We see how we've been chosen by the creator of all things, the Father who's ordained everything. And this allows us to let go, to surrender, right? To repent, to be filled with the fullness of God. Again, and then the idea of purification enters in. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready. Send me. Like, where do you need me to go? Like, I'm in for this. And this purification, the idea, um, part of the word was um, Psalm 12. It says, The promises of the Lord are promises that are pure. Silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. The promises of the Lord are promises that are pure. Silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. So what, how silver works, um, I learned today via Olivia. So they, they take the mixture and they, they heat it up really hot, right? They heat it up and they actually pour it over uh, this, this bed of something called bone ash. And that kind of filters out the impurities and the real silver um, is false, falls through. And they collect that. So for us in our life, and I love this, it says, the, the scripture verse says, silver refined in a furnace on the ground. So if you think about this, the ground, it goes back to our triangle. The ground, today, like the toil, the confusion, the potentiality, like day-to-day -day life, right? The furnace on the ground. But the furnace is heat, it, the heat that rises, so it's the above. It's God, his fire, his Holy Spirit that meets us in the everyday, that purifies our heart of these impurities, of this selfishness, of this me first, of this my way God. And the Holy Spirit meets us in the everyday and burns away the impurities and actually says seven times, again, a number of perfection. That the Lord doesn't just want to make us slightly better people. He doesn't want to put a Band-Aid over our bullet holes. He wants to give us new hearts. He wants to have a complete renovation of our hearts, a perfection, a purity, like according to his promises. Amen? Amen? And that's what the Lord wants to accomplish. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. So as we submit, as we do that, that's the kind of freedom he has. 
So um, the old self dying, all in the process of making us new. Death can be painful, but new life is worth it, brothers and sisters. It's worth it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to kind of land the plane here with, with uh, Philippians, okay? So number one, I said, what do we do next? Prayer. Number two, uh, basically, next step, this runs right through other people, how we love others. Philippians 2 says, Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any incentive in love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Okay, pause. That's a crazy thought. Count others better than yourselves. I don't know. I don't even know. How do you even get there? Holy Spirit, you do that. Like, Paul isn't saying something that's impossible. And we see, here's something ridiculous like that. Like, how often do we think counting others better than ourselves? That's a hard thing. Because it's, it's kind of about me all the time, right? It's kind of like, what do I need? What's helpful here? You know? Like, I'm going to take that last banana. I'm going to get mad at my son for taking it because I wanted it, you know, for my smoothie or whatever. Like, uh, like my life, it's just so, it is kind of me-centric. I fall back into it. I slip into it. But the Holy Spirit is the one, like, we hear a high call. We know the Holy Spirit, that God's grace is so much higher to make that happen. Right? And so God's grace actually wants to take us to a spot where we um, count others better than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Therefore, what Paul is saying is that it, like, your life, like your interests, now matter to me. Where you want to go, I want to help you get there. And I'm actually going to sacrifice myself to help you get there. And that's actually how the Holy Spirit works in my life and gets me back to holiness. It gets me, like, build, purifies me in holiness. That our pathway to God runs directly through how we love those around us. Our pathway to God runs directly through those we love around us. First John, he who does not love his brother remains in death, and anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. It's intense. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. I like this quote. I saw it on a YouTube video a few years ago from a football player, but it's right on. He says, it doesn't matter about me. What matters about me is sacrificing for you and the greater good, which is us. I love that. It doesn't matter about me. What matters about me is sacrificing for you and the greater good, which is us. That's something Jesus would say. That's how he glorifies the Father, right? Because Jesus doesn't take any glory for himself. He lays down his life completely. And we're going to read about that here. So um, this is how Jesus does it. Have this, Paul continues, right? Have this mind among yourselves, which was, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant or slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Pause. Um, yeah, he did not count equality God thing to be grasped. Jesus was God. Jesus knew it. Jesus had everything. He knew everything. And he humbled himself. He took the lowest place. Jesus is like, it doesn't matter about me. What matters is my father 
And I, my trajectory of my life is sacrificing for you. So much so, total gift of life. All in. 100%. Like, total gift of self. And he humbled himself and took the lowest place. What happened? Therefore, because of this, because that was his life, because that was his gift, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself. He took the lowest place, laying down his life. This, was, this, is, this is the model. This is the, the, the map of reality for us. So what is stirring right now in your heart? If there's something, if there's a lie going on right now that you have to like muster this up and make it happen, like, like you need your yes, but the Holy Spirit wants to meet you there. The Holy Spirit wants to fill that gap. He wants you to say yes to it, but he doesn't want you to think you're going to be perfect at it because then that's puffing yourself up. Take the lowest place. Realize you're not good at it. Say, God, I'm not great at this right now. Tell him because that's honest. Because if any of you are perfect at it, then dang, you should, you should be up here right? But we're not good at this. So tell the Lord that. So Lord, this isn't, but I know, Father, this is what you want to accomplish in me. Your spirit is alive in me to accomplish this kind of work. So I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. God, who are the people in front of me? Maybe who are the people I've wronged that I've just kind of shoved away for weeks, months, years? Maybe who are the people I've written off that actually you've called me to be in relationship with? Who are the people that I just couldn't stand because they rubbed me the wrong way and I, I just kind of avoided? Or who, like, who are the people that I didn't think I needed to love because I didn't want to? Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit wants to repair that now. He wants, to get, he doesn't want, he wants us to surrender that and then step out and take the step that he can come in and fill and show us that the pathway to love is through other people, the pathway to perfection, the pathway back to him, um, the purification. So... Yeah, why, why was I frustrated with this course? Why did it rub me the wrong way? Because I was, I was backwards. <laughs> I thought it was me and God. And this course doesn't talk about just me and God. It puts others in between that. And yes, I have, I have a relationship with God that is me and God. Like, I worship the Lord. I have personal prayer. I experience, I, um, body, blood, soul, and the divinity of the Eucharist. I receive him. But, like, that's the first thing. But actually... The deeper layer of reality, too, the additional layer of reality is that now that we have the Holy Spirit, it's through others. It's our way back. That's how it works. It's through others. We can't skip it. It's not me and God and other people. It's, it's God, others, me. It doesn't matter about me. What matters about me is sacrificing for you and the greater good, which is us, because that's how Jesus did it. And as we do that, we allow the Holy Spirit to be unleashed in our life because we're living according to how Jesus lived. And the Holy Spirit is... God and Jesus is God, and that's how he did it. Does that make sense? He's tracking me here. So, heavy thoughts. So, the Holy Spirit wants to uh, reorient us tonight. He wants to do something for us that we couldn't do ourselves. Okay? The Holy Spirit tonight wants to do something for us, for us that we can't do ourselves. And all we have to do is come to him in humility, to take the lowest place, say, Lord, I want that. I want more of you. I want to understand how to love people, and I'm ready to dig in. I'm ready for the purification a little bit. I'm ready for, for it to be hard. I'm ready, for me, I'm ready to fail maybe a few times. Right? I'm ready to not know what I'm doing. But I know and I'm convicted, God, this is the way back. This is the way of purification. This is the way you put in front of me. I'm not here to grumble. I'm not here to question. I'm here to live the story you've placed me in 
with all the power that you give me to do it in. So um, I got a closing thought, but let's, uh, let's get worship up here and let's get the chairs out, then I'll close it out first. Does that sound good? Let's do that. All right, here we go. So going into worship here. So wherever you're at, if you're like feeling some, some condemnation, like that's, that's like that's the wrong game. The Father wants to release you of that because that, that kind of, that means our eyes are on ourself. I don't know about you guys. I, I, it, was, it was kind of a hard week. I, it wasn't my best week in the world. And like kind of getting ready for this, I kind of heard that, that voice of like, man, who are you? What do you think? Why do you think you can do this? Or whatever, you know, like, but that's me looking at myself. So then I stop and I look at my father. And the father says, uh, I love you. The father says, when I see you, I see my son Jesus. And my role, all I got to do is take the lowest place, is take the crown off my head and throw it before the Lord and say, God, you are God, I am not. I put my, take my eyes off myself and off all these feelings and these thoughts and onto the Lord who loves me, who is faithful, who is powerful, who's created everything. And this, we had this word last year, I believe Matthew shared it, um, but it's, it's the image of heavenly worship, okay? It's from Revelation 4, and it says, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And I encourage you just to, just to kind of enter into this. You can start strumming, JP. Give us a little vibe. But just encourage you to like enter into this scene, because um, this is where we are right now, coming to worship the God in the throne room. Jesus in victory. It says, And once I stood in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there appeared like Jasper and Carnelian. And round the throne was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. Round the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne issue flashes of lightning and voices and peals of thunder. And before the throne burned seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there is, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Right? And these four living creatures, um, they cry out day and night, never ceasing, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And the sense of your brothers and sisters is that they had the crowns on their head, and they would, their, their role, their only job, was to worship God and to throw their crowns down before him. Their, their, their symbol of authority, their glory, these beautiful golden crowns, the best thing they had to throw them down before the Lord because he is so worthy. And they, it doesn't say they picked it up again, but the Lord put the crowns back on their head. So this exchange in worship, brothers and sisters, is that we throw our crowns down. And the, the mystery of it is that as we worship, the crown comes back on our head somehow. We don't place it there. It's not our own crown. It's not one we make ourselves, but it's the Lord who crowns us in his glory. The gift of his spirit, his life in us, welling up to eternal life. So let's just enter into that place of worship now. Let's lay our crowns before him, fixing our eyes on the Lord and praise him for who he is.